All right, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, everyone. And um, we've been in a series in the season of Lent focusing on the cross of Jesus. And we're, we're continuing that series today, but we're going to look at it from a different angle. And I'm thrilled that one of our, our New Lifers is preaching today. Uh, Marie Wood has been at New Life for 12 years. Uh, many of you know Marie. Last year uh, for our Mother's Day uh, service, she shared on this stage here with a few other women, uh, focusing a little bit about her story as a mother. And many of us who have heard Marie's story and heard her in any kind of context has been incredibly uh, blessed by her life and witness to Jesus. Uh, for the past few years, I've been training preachers at New Life. Uh, it's something I do uh, typically once a year where six or seven preachers are trained by me. And the reason I do it is because I believe that uh, for New Life as it exists today and what New Life will exist, how it will exist in the future, that preaching ministry is incredibly important. And uh, the ability to do it well and be trained in that is an important part of our discipleship and spiritual formation. And so I've been blessed to, to hear uh, new lifers in different contexts learn preaching. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Marie preached at this preaching lab that, that we create here. And I was really blessed by her message and thought our community would really benefit and be blessed um, by hearing her. And so whenever we get a guest from the outside, you know how it is. We show really warm hospitality and we welcome, we give them a crazy big ovation. Um, if I could use the words of Jesus, how much more should we do that when someone is our own, when, when it's a new lifer who's coming and giving the word of God to us? And so uh, Marie, she's been here 12 years. This is the first time she's preaching in this context here at our church. And so let's give her the biggest ovation we possibly can. Welcome Marie Wood as she comes to preach. Good afternoon, New Lifers. <laughs> so thanks for the introduction, Pastor Rich. Um, as you said, my husband and I moved to New York 12 years ago. Uh, back then, we were fresh out of college and um, had two little boys. And now we have four boys. And in case anyone hasn't noticed, number five is on the way. So our basketball team will soon be complete. <laughs> It's great to be with uh, my New Life family today, and I believe that the Lord has a word to bless and to strengthen us, and I'm really excited to share that with you. So let's turn to the scripture for today, which comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 6 begins, For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed 
day by day. For momentary, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen, because the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, for your presence here with us now. May your Holy Spirit guide us into all truth and wisdom and plant this deeply within our, our hearts and our lives. For the glory of your name, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So again, we've been at, uh, in New York for 12 years, and uh, I'm originally from Virginia Beach. So I have to say, when it's winter in New York and the weather's like this, I spend a lot of time daydreaming about those warm days on the sand. <laughs> uh, as early as I can remember, probably five years old, my favorite thing to do was to dive into ocean waves, and the bigger, the better, which kind of terrified my parents. <laughs> Uh, when I was six, uh, I got knocked down by one of those big waves, and it thrust me so deeply into the water that I got caught in an undertow, and it started dragging me out to sea. Um, amazingly, my dad was able to get into the water and find me, and then drag me back to shore, where I promptly threw up, and then ran straight back into the water. <laughs> I was six. So the thought that I, I became, <laughs> that I almost became fish food didn't even scare me. There was this uh, clothing brand uh, that was popular in the 90s called No Fear, and my dad used to say that should be my motto, because I wasn't afraid of anything. I, as far as I was concerned, I was invincible. Nothing could hurt me. Of course, the truth was, I was not invincible. I was stupid. <laughs> my parents understood the dangers that I did not. And it wasn't until I experienced parenthood that I became aware of how my love for my children made me vulnerable to fear and to hurt. And everyone in this room has a vulnerability, a weak spot, something or someone that can really hurt or make you afraid. And what's so amazing, and what I want to focus on today, is that when we depend on Jesus in times of trouble, that our greatest weaknesses and vulnerabilities can actually become opportunities for the greatest demonstrations of the grace and power of God. In other words, Jesus Christ can take our weakness and transform it into strength. And so this is the message I want to focus on today in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. To give you a little background, 2 Corinthians was a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth, which is in Greece. Um, some people think that Paul was one of the original disciples. He actually wasn't. He was a Pharisee. So if you're thinking to yourself, wait, weren't the Pharisees the enemies of Jesus? Yeah, you're right. And so like the other Pharisees, Paul hated the message of Christ. He wanted to kill the Christians. In fact, he was on the road to Damascus, Syria, to kill Christians when he encountered the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus has this amazing power to transform people. And he transformed Paul from a zealous persecutor of the Christian church to one of its greatest defenders. 
And in this passage from 2 Corinthians 4, Paul is expressing his love for the church at Corinth by appealing to his own sufferings on their behalf. So like Jesus Christ himself, the early followers of Christ suffered, Paul suffered, he truly understood it. For preaching the gospel, Paul was imprisoned multiple times. On five different occasions, he received the 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked three times. So on his missionary journeys, he was exposed to perils from the elements, from the Gentiles, from the Jews, uh, from false teachers in the church. He fought wild beasts at Ephesus. He had this thorn in the flesh. And then after all this, after this entire life of preaching the gospel, he was finally beheaded in Rome. So when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, he isn't exaggerating. The word translated afflicted in Greek is thlebo, which means to be squeezed, pressed down, crushed into a narrow space, like when you're smashing an orange to make orange juice. Paul was afflicted in every way. When he says we are perplexed, he isn't talking about being stumped on the daily crossword puzzle or getting confused by a new traffic pattern on his morning commute. Paul is deeply perplexed by the Jews who are rejecting the very Messiah that they've been waiting for. He's perplexed facing the Gentiles who find the, the idea that God could love them enough to become one of them and die for them is ridiculous. He's perplexed facing false teachers and Judaizers in the Christian church. These are people that wanted to bring back the Old Testament laws, basically nullifying the grace of the cross. Paul was perplexed facing believers in the church who were abusing their freedom in Christ to continue in sin, and some of these sins were even worse than what the unbelievers were doing. Paul was perplexed. He says he was persecuted. In Greek, the word persecuted is dioko, which means to be chased and pursued. So he isn't talking about how his coworkers, you know, the other tent makers in town, were making fun of him for wearing a cross or what would Jesus do t-shirt or how his uh, atheist friend on Facebook was trolling all his posts uh, from the Bible. He was actually chased by hungry animals, poisonous snakes, thieves, armed robbers, enemies on all sides, even the people who were supposed to be on his side. Paul was persecuted. Paul was physically struck down. He was struck down with whips, rods, and stones. I mean, I, I get upset when somebody bumps into me with their shopping cart at the grocery store. And here Paul is having whips rubbing into his skin, rods and stones breaking apart his muscles, breaking his bones time after time after time, Paul was struck down. And when he says in verse 10 that he carries about in the body the death of Jesus, he can point to the proof. And while there are people out there who teach that, well, becoming a Christian and having, a faith, in, and having faith in God means that all your troubles are just going to melt away and money's going to pour into your bank account because if you make Jesus your choice, you'll get a Rolls Royce. 
Paul, on the other hand, assumes that trouble and suffering are actually normal features of Christian life. And we know this for ourselves. We can see it today. There is suffering in the world today. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And whether Christian or not, you will have trouble. So earlier I talked about how becoming a mother made me vulnerable to fear and to hurt. And this is most true regarding two of our sons, Reed and Paley. Reed and Paley both have a rare, life-threatening illness called myotubular myopathy. And children with myotubular myopathy um, cannot eat, breathe, walk, or communicate without medical technology and drastic intervention. So when Reed was born, the doctors broke our hearts and they told us these children will not live to see their second birthday. Thankfully, praise God, Reed is now 10 years old and Paley is gonna be eight in June. <laughs> but it's taken a lot to get here and the boys have been through a lot and our family has been through a lot. Um, there have been many close calls, brushes with death, and I don't think that I've ever experienced anything as painful as looking into my baby's face and seeing his body breaking down, his heart stopping, his body losing oxygen, and to see that fear in his eyes and his little face, and he's looking at me and he's saying the silent plea, mommy, help me. And then to have to continue to try to do CPR through tears, just praying to God that he's gonna be saved. When I was drowning at age six, my father had to plunge into murky waters to try to find me. And that's the kind of uncertainty and desperation that I've had. When I've watched my children slip over the border of death and had to reach over and try to find them to bring them back. So I know about trouble. We all know about trouble. Some of us are sick or caregivers for the sick. Some of us are sad or lonely. Some of us have been silenced, ostracized, bullied or abused in some way. Maybe some of us are struggling with an addiction or with trying to rescue a loved one from addiction. There is suffering in the world today, but suffering doesn't have the final say. Jesus said, you will have trouble in the world, but take heart for I have overcome the world. The resurrection gives us hope. And what Paul is teaching us in 2 Corinthians is that if we are with Christ in his sufferings, then we are also with him in his resurrection. So look with me again at the text. Paul says we are afflicted, but he also points out that when we are afflicted, we are not crushed. Even though we are frustrated, bewildered, and perplexed, we are not despairing. Paul wants us to know that even if we are chased and pursued by enemies, persecuted, we are not forsaken. 
Even if we're abused, beat up, and struck down, we are not destroyed. Even when martyred, we are victorious because Christ has conquered the grave. According to the writings of the early church, Paul was beheaded in Rome under Nero, who was the ruler of the mighty Roman Empire. And then I sometimes wonder myself if in those last moments as Paul was kneeling before the executioner's sword, if there was something almost like a smile on his face. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I don't know for certain what Paul was thinking in his last moments, but I believe that he continued to fix his eyes on Jesus and to model himself after Jesus, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. You see, Jesus' love for us made him vulnerable to suffering. His love for us made him willing to endure the pain and degradation of the cross while being falsely uh, convicted, condemned, while being beaten, stripped, mocked, spat upon, and then nailed to a cross, Jesus was also looking beyond that present moment of enormous, incomparable pain. He was looking forward to the joy of what he would accomplish. And after he completed his mission on the cross and his body was placed in a tomb, Three days later, Jesus broke out of that tomb because the grave didn't have the power to hold him. Therefore, Jesus' weakness on the cross, what appeared to be a loss in the eyes of the world, actually became the symbol of his great victory over sin and the last enemy, which is death. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. And Paul's faith was resilient in the midst of trouble because he knew that Jesus as the crucified and risen Lord. And he trusted that on the other side of sorrow is joy, that on the other side of suffering is salvation, that on the other side of death is resurrection. And so after everything that Paul went through, He could sum it up in these words in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, as a momentary, light affliction. In other words, no big deal. A momentary, light affliction. That's a phrase that should cause us to reevaluate the troubles of our own lives. So do you look at your problems as a person without hope? Do you look at your problems as though this world is all there is? Do you look at your problems and think you're already defeated? Maybe the underlying problem with our problems is our perspective. And this is why meditating on the word of God is so essential to the Christian life. We don't just read the words. We listen to the Holy Spirit speak to us. And the truth of revelation changes how we think. It renews our minds so that we're no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, this world which defines happiness in terms of power, prosperity, and prestige, but rather we're transformed into the image of Christ, 
who turns the values and expectations of this world inside out. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul gives us a practical way to change our perspective, to develop this mind of Christ. He writes, we look not to the things which are seen, but to the things which are unseen, because the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So think about that. We look not to the things which are seen, but the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So you, have you ever been physically injured, like banged your head or stubbed your toe or maybe something broken a bone? You remember how when it happens, all you could think about was the pain and just screaming and uh, you, you just got this like tunnel vision. That's all you could think about, the pain, the cause of the pain. And then when troubles come into our lives, it's like that. The storms come and all we can think about is the present moment of pain. And if we permit that to continue, then our hearts just fall into bitterness and despair. But there is an alternative. Imagine, for instance, that you are sailing a ship on the open seas, and suddenly you're caught in the midst of a storm. You're being tossed on the waves. You look down into the water in this terrifying, impenetrable blackness. I mean, who knows what kinds of sharks and sea monsters are lurking in there. You hear the creaking of the boat, and it sounds like it's about to break apart. But before you lose all hope, staring at the turbulence around you, you shift your perspective to a bird's eye view. Now you're looking from the perspective of a bird flying over the clouds, over the storm. You can see the ship being tossed around. But if you look at the edge of the tempest, you can see stunningly clear skies going on and on without end. This is like the view from eternity. The word of God gives us access to the view from eternity. And pain is the opportunity to redirect your perspective. So you expand your vision beyond the present moment. You take the bird's eye view, the view from eternity. The storm is temporary, but the promises of God are eternal. The storm is passing away, but the love of God endures forever. The storm will come to an end, but the victory of Jesus Christ is everlasting. Pain can wound, but it cannot ultimately destroy us. The enemy has been defeated. You may envision your troubles as like a great white shark emerging from those dark waters, opening its jaws to swallow you whole, but do not lose heart. Because I'm telling you, that shark is old. He's feeble. He doesn't even have any teeth. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. As a child, I had a false sense of invincibility because I didn't know anything. But now I know that I am far from invincible, yet I also know that my soul is indestructible because Jesus Christ is invincible. So you are not invincible, but your soul is indestructible. Therefore, do not lose heart, but trust that your weaknesses may be your opportunity to serve. 
In my case, I see the challenges that I face as a mother of medically fragile children as an opportunity to serve my family, my children, and to advocate for the wider rare disease community. Paul's weakness allowed him to edify the body of Christ, to build up the church in truth and love, and to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. Your weakness can become your opportunity to share the love of God with the people in your life. And so when you stand in front of the mirror every day and kind of think to yourself, man, I don't look so good. Maybe you see a wrinkle or a gray hair or a little less hair. Maybe you have dark circles from another sleepless night. Don't look at those as signs of defeat, but rather think of the words of Paul who says, though the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed day by day. Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. You see, what happens to the inner self is far more important than what's happening around you because the inner self is everlasting. And everything that is worrying you or stressing you out is but a momentary light affliction preparing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So when you feel that weight coming down upon you, that crushing Wait, it is not ultimately the afflictions of this life, but rather it may be the very love of God crashing down upon you like a tidal wave upon your soul. And the soul that is forged in trouble and distress is like gold that's purified in fire, just as the crucified Christ is the risen Christ. And that's why Jesus can take your weakness and transform it into strength. So do not lose heart, but rather trust in God that you can serve in the kingdom and live a supernatural life as one who carries the resurrection life of Christ in your own body. Therefore, as you go forward this week, I encourage you to spend time in prayer and the word and ask God to reveal to you the ways in which your troubles, your afflictions, your perplexities, these troublesome little deaths might actually be opportunities to demonstrate the resurrection life of Jesus in you to increase thanksgiving to God for his kingdom and his glory. Let's take a moment to begin right now. Everyone close your eyes. Pause, take a breath, and just reflect for a minute. In what ways are you afflicted? In what ways are you perplexed? Have you been persecuted? Have you been struck down physically or emotionally? If you have, I have good news for you. Jesus is with you. He is with you in the storm. And what he's done for you has eternal consequences. And it has changed the very fiber of your soul. You will live forever with him. And I pray that as you encounter these little deaths in your life, these sorrows and worries and cares of the world that 
that God will continue to open up the ways in which this is actually empowering you to serve him, to reach out with the love of God to others in a unique way that only you can because of what you've been through. And I ask this in the mighty and the precious name of our crucified and risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Let's all stand together. Marie, thank you for blessing us all day long today with powerful truth. And I want to close our time here by giving us an opportunity to respond to that um, through prayer. And so I want to invite those who are going to be praying for folks um, just to come to the front here. We're going to sing for the next 10 minutes or so, and uh, we're going to have a time of ministry and intercession. Because the truth is, we all know what it's like at different points in our life to be afflicted. Paul says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And the truth is, we come to church week in and week out. And at different seasons of our lives, we know what it's like to be afflicted. We know what it's like to feel forsaken. We know what it's like to be cast down. And in our moments of all of those afflictions and perplexity, we need the grace and power of Jesus Christ to fill us.